One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And we all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because I cannot stop thinking about them when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to go about my day. I keep those little things bottled up and it can start to affect me negatively. Now, therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff. And if you've never benefited from therapy, I think it's time you explore. I think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist. It's so incredibly helpful to get those coping skills skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire, and you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. Uh, so that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Everything Iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Everything Iconic. Which one of you is Stassi? I'm Stassi. Hi, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Katie. Katie. Stassi and Katie. So, okay, so we're going to do a quick clearing ceremony before you come all the way in. So, actually, Katie, I'm just going to have you wait outside for a sec. I probably have a lot of bad energy, so. Um, Okay, so stand in the door. We're going to hold your hands out like this. You're going to close your eyes. You are sage. You come from the mountains. Hey! (laughs) That scared me. You guys sit on either side there. Okay. We're going to transform the spirit that has been causing you so much suffering. So I want you to call up the image of this demon. Say out loud what it feels like. It just feels really hot and dark. I wanted to leave. Circle is cast. Hey everyone, welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. Wow, wow, wow. I love this week's episode of Vanderpump Rules. Amanda the Oracle's a star. I can't believe she's never been on TV before. I want more of her on TV. I'm obsessed with her. I want to watch her on everything, put her on the amazing race, Survivor. I want to see her on everything. In fact, I need an appointment myself. I can't believe I've never heard of this. Amanda the Oracle. In fact, Alexa, book me an appointment with the witch from Vanderpump Rules. We need to get an appointment on the books. Sorry, I'm not sure. Okay, we'll do that later. But the fact is, I loved this Amanda the Oracle. Why hasn't she been on before? She's the new Alison DeBaugh. She's completely nuts. <laughs> love that the fact that her name is Amanda. Truly, truly love it. Anyway, we're sort of winding down the season of the Vanderpump Rules. I think we have a couple more episodes left before the reunion. Of course, we know they filmed the reunion. Now, before I get into the episode, I want to say that on Instagram, I posted a thing like, "If what if the Vanderpump Rules kids had taglines like the Housewives? 
and everyone was commenting, and some of the answers or some of the responses were so funny. <laughs> I just want to read you my favorite one. So my favorite one, this would be Brittany's tagline, if she was a real housewife, or if Vanderpump Rules had taglines the way that the housewives do. So just picture Brittany twirling in the opening credits and saying, <laughs> if you don't like this Southern bill, you can rot in hell. <laughs> now that was, uh, that was courtesy of B underscore true underscore. Now, I just loved it. A lot of the answers were so funny, they were cracking me up, but that one just, I felt like it was perfect. Rotten Hill. Rotten Hill. <laughs> I'm engaged. <laughs> this episode, we also got, uh, at the end of the episode, the preview for next week, we got that wonderfully iconic Britney quote where she's looking at herself in a mirror and she said, my body looks so good in this, or something like that. <laughs> my body looks awesome in this. Yes, she loves it. Yes. My body looks awesome in this. <laughs> There is one more thing we have to talk about before we recap this week's Vanderpump Rules, and that is my excursion to Tom Tom. I went on Saturday night, and boy did I have a night. Boy did I. <laughs> that place is where dreams are made of, and multiple of my dreams came true on Saturday night. Now, I walked in, and I was seated in the back of the restaurant. It's a very small bar restaurant, so if you've never been there before, there's like a small group of tables in the back. It's not huge, but it's beautifully decorated. This was only my second time there. So I'm sitting in the back. And to the right of my table, there was an empty table with a birthday cake on it. The birthday cake said, happy birthday, Ava, but it was empty table. No one had been there yet. But I was literally like an arm's length distance away from the head of that table with the cake. So I'm sitting there, sitting there, getting a cocktail, get a vodka soda. And then in walks a vision. My American Idol, your American Idol, all of our American Idol, Kelly Clarkson walks in. I had waited a lifetime for a moment like this, and I had to catch my breath when I saw behind those hazel eyes, because Kelly Clarkson just walked through those doors, and she sat right at the head of the table. She sat so, like, literally, I could high-five her. And as she was walking, I didn't say anything when she walked in. I I was literally, like, so, I was sweating. I was nervous. I didn't know what to say. You guys know I love her. And keep in mind, the server, like, my server and What I had assumed was that table server was Logan, who, if you guys are on Patreon, Logan and I did like a full Kelly Clarkson episode, podcast episode, about Kelly Clarkson together. So I was like freaking out in my head. I'm like, oh my God, Logan's going to freak out. So Kelly sits down at the head of the table. We didn't exchange any like information. I didn't ask her any questions or bother her. Just internally freaked out. We might have exchanged like some pleasantries, like she had to walk around my chair to like get to her chair. So I think I might have been like, oop, I'll scoot in. (laughs) trying to play it cool like oop i'll move my chair and you know some and then hoping i was hoping inside that maybe that would strike up conversation but it didn't so kelly sits down and i thought to myself wait a minute are they celebrating kelly's birthday because i'm a huge fan i know kelly brianne clarkson was born on april 24th so i thought that's close by maybe they're celebrating her birthday but then i remember the cakes at ava so it wasn't for her she was with a large group of people a lot of girls there and her mom who, of course, I remembered from American Idol. I watched that season. I, of course, voted for Kelly Brianne Clarkson that season, the inaugural season of American Idol. And I remember her mom in the audience as Kelly saying a moment like this. I'll never forget those moments when Nikki McKibben tried to take over the microphone <laughs> as Kelly Clarkson won and sang American Idol and confetti came down from the rafters. Anyway, that's besides the point. The point is, Kelly sits down. And Kelly wasn't the only one there that night. There was another vision. Perhaps someone even more important than Kelly Brianne Clarkson. And that person is Terry Maloney, Katie Maloney's mother. Terry, I love you. If you're out there listening, Terry told me that she's a huge, she's an everything iconic fan. So if you're listening, Terry, hello, I love you. 
Now, Terry was a delight. Terry was an absolute delight. So at one point, Terry like strikes up conversation with Kelly's table. And then I don't know how it happened. It's all a blur. But somehow that got everyone talking. So then Kelly was so close to me. We just started talking. I started saying, you know, hashtag justice for heat. I just said, you know, heat was a song of her last album that I loved that they never filmed the video for. And it's my favorite song of the last album. If you haven't heard it or you haven't bought the last album, you have to go buy Kelly's album, Meaning for Life, and listen to the song Heat, my fave. Anyway, I'm talking to Kelly Clarkson about Heat. Kelly says that she's working on new music. And then I said, I love my December. I started talking about that album and Be Still and Maybe and Sober. And I'm like, going on and on, like kind of nerding out. And I'm like, Logan, our waiter, and I went to see her at the Staples Center. You know, we, like, we had just see, we were like, Kelly, we just saw you at the Staples Center. You were amazing. So I'm like really fangirling out. And then we take photos. I took a photo with Kelly, multiple photos with Kelly. Like my whole camera roll was was done. And she was in full hair and makeup. She had apparently just been doing press that day. She was so, so sweet. And she was with someone who was a huge Vanderpump fan. Like the birthday girl, Ava, was a huge Vanderpump fan. So Katie was over there taking photos with the birthday gal. Wonderful. I could have died happy. And Terry, again, let me just say Terry Maloney was a delight. You guys remember that episode of Vanderpump Rules where they had all the moms this season? Terry was walking around the restaurant talking to tables. She was the best. And again, she walked, she listens to everything iconic. So hello, Terry. We love you. So I'm sitting down at the table and we're just enjoying our night. Then out of the corner of my eye, I see Selena Gomez sitting at a booth. In my head, I'm like, holy shit, that's Selena Gomez. She was there with a big group of girls. And I remembered Selena Gomez was like a huge Vanderpump Rules fan. So she's sitting at the booth, but I'm like, I already had like my moment with Kelly Clarkson. Like Kelly and I chatted like extensively and we took pictures. She was so close to me. She was so sweet. Like I already can die happy. Like I don't need to have a moment with Selena Gomez. So the night's going on and on. And I noticed Katie Maloney is over at the booth with Selena Gomez. And not only was Katie there, but Terry Maloney was over at the booth with them. So again, I'm like, well, you know, I already had my moment with Kelly Clarkson. I don't need a moment with Selena Gomez. I'm just going to enjoy my cocktails, whatever. Then the security detail for Tom Tom comes up to me and says, Danny, Terry's calling you over to the booth. Terry fucking Maloney's calling me over to the booth that Selena Gomez is at. So I, of course, I walk over to the booth and I'm like sweating again. I'm like, oh my God. And it's like, it was hot in there and I was already very sweaty. So she calls me over to the booth and I sit at the booth with, Selena Gomez and this group of girlfriends, they were there for Selena's cousin's bachelorette party, or I don't know if it was a bachelorette party, but Selena's cousin was getting married, and they were out there celebrating. They ran from out of town, a big group of girls, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just kind of freaking out. I'm like, oh my god, Selena, I'm a huge fan. And then Terry's like, Danny, get some pictures with Selena. I'm like, oh my god. I'm like freaking out. I'm like, Terry, Terry, stop. But you know, in my head, it was one of those things where it's like, Terry, stop. But in my head, I was thinking like, no, Terry, don't stop. keep going, Terry, make this happen. So then somebody gets out of the booth and lets me like sit next to Selena. And then Terry's taking photos of Selena and I, which was just a delight. And I took some selfies. I took a ton of pictures with Selena Gomez. And then we're all sitting. We have a group of shots. Selena didn't have a shot, but we do a round of shots. The rest of the people at the table who wanted shots, we all took shots. Terry and I took shots. Then I'm talking to Selena about Vanderpump Rules. And then somehow, I don't know how this conversation came up because I had been drinking, but somehow we started talking about Lindsay Lohan's Beach Club. Selena was a watcher 
of Lindsay Lohan's Beach Club. Now, let me just say, I watched every episode and I recap for this goddamn podcast, and I feel validated because Selena Gomez was also watching. She was a huge fan of Lindsay Lohan's Beach Club, although she did recognize that it was... <laughs> she did recognize the show made no goddamn sense. But I chatted with Selena Gomez about Lindsay Lohan's Beach Club, and what a thrill. Is there anything better? No. So then, you know, I left early. I was out of there maybe by like 8.39. I did not stay. Everything peaked. I was like, what am I going to do? What more can happen here? I got to get out of here before God strikes me dead, because everything was just perfect as it was. And I saw Selena and her group were leaving. I was like, time for me to go to get my Uber. I need to get home. But what a night. What a night. And all thanks to Terry Maloney, really. She's the real star of this. I might have met Selena Gomez and Kelly Clarkson, but more importantly, I met Terry Maloney. And I loved her. I felt, you know, like Britney in that dress. I felt awesome. I felt awesome that night. Truly did. And if I recommend everyone go to TomTom. There's a lot of dreams to be made there. So that's my TomTom story. Now we got to get to this week's episode of Vanderpump Rules. My body looks awesome in this. We have some transitional music that opens the episode. Of course, it does every week. Now, this week, the music was... <laughs> I don't know the beat. I don't know the beat exactly, but it was, we're making moves, money moves. We're making moves, moves, moves. And then we open on Sheena in her sir dress talking about Chili's. <laughs> She's talking about her old job at Chili's and how, I don't know, she says something like she would have gotten written up for that at Chili's. And you look, if I were uh, if I were new to the show, I would think that hearing the song in the background, a song that goes, we're making moves, we're making money moves, I would think we're going to open on maybe like some glamorous thing, not Sheena in a sir dress talking about Chili's. I don't know. Who am I? Who am I to judge? But it was really, it was really good. Then we see LVP, Ken, and their dogs in hot Guillermo, because I love this Guillermo fellow. I know he's been around forever, but... I'm very attracted to Guillermo this season. Every time I see him, I'm more and more attracted to him. He's a silver fox. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. And there's modeling photos of him online that you can look up. Please look them up. Save them to your phone. Make them your iPhone background. They're beautiful. And so they're all sitting around the table with the dogs. Of course, I don't... I love dogs. I love dogs. I don't know if I think it's appropriate to have them like around the dinner table you know, like seated. But again, these dogs go to everything. They go to the opening of an envelope. And I would be a little concerned with allergies. You know, that's my, who am I to judge? Or maybe like, I don't know. I know they have alopecia, these dogs, so maybe they don't shed at all. They don't have nothing to shed. But wouldn't there be some sort of rules or regulations about having dogs in your restaurant at the dinner table? I don't know. I'm not the FDA. The point is, <laughs> speaking of allergies, you guys know I just finished that clean program. And it was 21 days. It was like this uh, 21-day cleanse thing. And as I've been incorporating new foods or old foods back into my diet, like anything processed or whatever, truly my face has been swelling up. Like my whole body's been swelling. It's like really not a good thing. I had a Kit Kat. Kit Kat was fine. But then I had some like, um, which <laughs> probably shouldn't eat this anyway, but I had that spray can cheese. <laughs> you know, that easy cheese. It's disgusting, but I love it. Anyway, I had some of that on a cracker, and like my whole body just exploded. It was like Britney's ulcer all over again. It was just, my whole body exploded. Anyway, my allergies have not been great. So, you know, be careful what you eat. Anyway, Katie comes over to the table, and Katie says she doesn't want to do the girls' night every week. Now, LVP says, well, James, when he used to do his DJ night, see you next Tuesday, we had people coming in every week. And Katie's like, well, I just wanted to prove that I could do it. And it's kind of rude of Katie, but then I also feel like it feels 
felt staged to me. Like, the whole scene felt like Katie was acting, it felt like LVP was acting. I didn't like that. And, of course, like, LVP would have known that she wasn't doing it weekly. And then Katie knew that, too. So I feel like they bamboozled us all into thinking that suddenly this girls' night was going to be a weekly occurrence. When I think they all knew, everyone in on this knew that it wasn't going to be a weekly thing. So, you know, we were all bamboozled. We all were. And they need James back. And I feel like this is the way of all them, you know, making it okay for James to come back for See You Next Tuesday. They're setting it up for us. And I know they need to do that, but it still felt very scripted and staged to me. Then we cut to Tom and Ariana's apartment. Their dog, Charlotte, is adorable. I truly love that dog, Charlotte. And then we see Tom playing with the dick flute. And then James enters, and he starts beatboxing while Tom Sandoval is playing that dick flute. And I thought, this is the best song that's been on Vanderpump Rules. Truly better than all the transition music, better than the dramatic ballad that Lala wrote that she performs at the end of the episode, better than Top Man. Better than good, uh, maybe maybe not better than good as gold. I mean, who are we kidding? Good as gold is iconic, but I mean, it was like up there. Like I, I was like, why aren't they making this into a, a song that I could buy on iTunes? I'd play it on my Spotify. Loved it. Anyway, then James walks in. I was thinking a lot about James this week because I, you know, I think all of us, a lot of us, go back and forth with James. I mean, sometimes we think he's a monster. Sometimes we're feeling bad for him. And I truly think James just sort of speaks another language than the rest of the cast. And I don't know that he'll ever fit in. I think he's just fundamentally different than a lot of them. And he seems to do well with Tom and Ariana, but I feel like for the most part, I don't know that he'll ever fit in with the other people. Like, I don't think Brittany and Jax will ever truly, like, let him in, or Stassi or Katie. I don't know that these people ever will. I think James speaks another language than them. He's a different, different age. He's much younger, but also, he's still, you know, guys mature later, so I feel like he's even more, even younger than the rest of them, because, it's like, a male maturity level for a straight guy is, like, much different than gay men and women, so I think he's just different. I don't know that he'll ever truly fit in with this group, and I, I still want him around. I think they, the show really needs him. But I, I was trying to think of, like, how we could get him in, and I don't know. Speaking of another language, I just... <laughs> Just talking. Let's take a little detour for a second. So I was just talking to an old friend, and did you guys take a language in school? Like in high school, I took Spanish. Then when I got to college, I wanted to take a different language, and I always loved. I I always wanted to learn ASL. I thought it was a helpful language to know, so I took an ASL class, American Sign Language. And I was just talking to my friend. My friend and Laura and I we used to take this ASL class together in college, and. For the final, like the end of the quarter, end of semester final, the teacher came up in front of the class and she said, okay, we're all going to, for the final, you have to do a storybook. So you have to sign a storybook, like a children's book, whatever. And I remember as she was giving the assignment, somebody raised their hand and they said, can we do a, you know, a nursery rhyme? And the teacher responded like, yes, you could do a song or a nursery rhyme, like just you know, bring the music and then you could perform along with it. So for the final, you could either do a children's book, or a song. I thought it just meant any song. Then that week, you know, we're all preparing for the final. My friend and I, we went out drinking, of course, college, got really wasted, and we made a bet with each other. I don't remember, like, the details or, like, what the bet exactly was, but the I, I do remember, like, the stakes of the bet. If I lost, then my friend Laura got to pick what I did for my final. 
So I lost the bet. And I remember we were out and we were listening to that. We were listening, you know, when you're out in college, you listen to all the bad pop music and dirty songs, whatever. We love that Michael Bolton song, How Can We Be Lovers If We Can't Be Friends. Also, by the way, there was another song playing, but I'll get there. So, Laura, she said, you lost the bet. You have to perform How Can We Be Lovers If We Can't Be Friends by Michael Bolton. So then, <laughs> you know, a few days go by. I'm preparing. I get all ready for this. You know, I get my little portable speaker so I could bring them in to play it, you know. So I get to the classroom on final presentation day. And I walk in and I see these people that aren't in our class. I see these parents. And then I look to my left in front of the parents, and I see a group of young children. And I'm talking under 10, around, you know, first, second grade, under 10 years old, a bunch of children with their parents. And I'm thinking, what are they doing here? So then the teacher gets in front of the class, and the teacher says, okay, we're going to start with our final presentations. These are, she introduced the class to these young children. And apparently, I don't remember the name of their group, but they were like the deaf, <laughs> the deaf children of Southeast Ohio, or whatever it is. I don't remember the name of the group, but it was, you know, the deaf children's group of Southern Ohio. And they were there with their parents. So apparently, like, I just had misunderstood Laura and I, we weren't paying attention or whatever. Apparently, like, the assignment was either to do a children's book or a nursery rhyme. Like, it wasn't to do a pop song. So everyone's getting up and people are, you know, one person is reading Green Eggs and Ham and all the kids are enjoying it. You know, the young children are just sitting in the front row, just enjoying it, clapping. <laughs> And somebody else gets up and does, you know, Old MacDonald. Somebody's singing Old, you know, signing Old MacDonald as the music plays in the background. E-I fucking E-I-O. And the kids' faces are lighting up. And I'm, like, freaking out. You know, I'm getting, like, the sweats. <laughs> sweating like a madman. <laughs> I'm thinking, what do I do? Do I just leave the class? I didn't prepare anything else. I wasn't an expert. This was my first sign language class. Like, I didn't know any other ASL. Like, I prepared a Michael Bolton song. I couldn't just leave the classroom. So then it finally comes my turn to get up, and I didn't know what else to do. So, of course, I signed this Michael Bolton song, and <laughs> the children's faces, as I signed to them, the lyric, how can we make love if we can't make amends? I'll tell you what, I'll never forget those faces on those eight-year-old students, <laughs> those, the, the faces of the eight-year-old deaf kids that I signed it to. They were not, they did not seem to understand. The lyrics to Michael Bolton's How Can We Be Lovers If We Can't Be Friends. <laughs> it was, I will swear, I'll never forget their faces. The parents' faces as well. The parents were looking at me in shock and disgust just as I performed, performed the sign language version of How Can We Be Lovers If We Can't Be Friends. And let me just say, like, the other option that Laura wanted me to do was that Kia song, My Neck, My Back. So thank God I wasn't signing about my pussy and my crack in front of these deaf children of Southeast Ohio, because that would have been even worse. But but I will say, <laughs> the student did not understand as I was signing, you know, how can we be lovers if we can't be friends? How can we be, how can we make love if we can't make amends? Very inappropriate. Wildly inappropriate. Wildly inappropriate. I did lose a letter grade for that choice. 
I remember my final my final write-up. I wish I should try to find it. My final write-up, it said like something like, you didn't follow the assignment. But like, how was I to know? I thought when earlier in the week that somebody raised their hand and said, could we do a song? I thought that meant like any fucking song. And thank the good Lord that I didn't just do my neck, my back. My neck, my back, lick my pussy and my crack. Could you imagine if I had signed about my pussy and my crack to a bunch of deaf kids in Southeast Ohio, like I would have, I and I would have had to leave. Like the, at that point, I should have, I should have just left the classroom. I should have made up something. I should have said I got my period or something, <laughs> because it was wildly inappropriate. And I remember sitting there and like, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Like I should have been like, you know, look, I don't think it's appropriate for me to do this song. <laughs> but instead, I just went ahead and did it. My friend Laura just laughed hysterically at me. You know, she's laughing at me. Oh my god. But I could still sign. That's all I remember from sign. <laughs> That's all I really remember. I remember like some of the lyrics to that song and how to sign it. <laughs> oh, I should learn more. I you should learn more, you know. If I go, if I find, you know, if I meet someone who's deaf, the only thing I'm going to know how to sign is how can we make love if we can't make amends. That's a fact. Anyway, where were we? <laughs> that detour. Those poor deaf kids. Wow. Wow, Bethany, wow. Anyway, James, back to James. He arrives at Ariane and Tom's place, and he was so funny in his confessionals. Did you catch this? He was talking about what he missed in Mexico, because he didn't go to Mexico, and he said he probably missed the fat couple arguing, and then there's a flashback to Tom and Katie arguing. And let me just say, that they're like, not fat at all. Like, once again, it's like so insane that we're acting as if Katie's fat. I know it's just James acting that way, but it's like such a weird rewritten history. It's like we can all see Katie, she's not fat. <laughs> and believe me, in person she looks like thin. Like not even not even chubby or anything. It's like she's a gorgeous person. And so this weird idea that we're supposed to believe that she's fat is just insanity. Um and then he also says what else did I miss? He says, and I quote, a couple dinners with sleepy, dosy, horsey Kristen. <laughs> sleepy, dosy, horsey Kristen. And then I felt like this was worse and more shady of the editors to show us because then the editors cut to footage of Kristen at dinner with like a weird face. And then I thought, what were the editors trying to tell us? Were the editors trying to tell us that that footage that they showed us was Kristen looking like a horse? Like, what was I thought it was so fucking rude of the editors to just show us like a random Krista was like trying to make a toast and she had like a weird face, but like I thought were the editors trying to tell us that they thought she looked like a horsey face or something? I don't know. Unclear, but I thought if I was Kristen, I'd be so pissed at the editors. I'd be like, what the fuck are you showing that for? I was just making a nice toast with my friends. Ah, <laughs> oh, so good. Then Ariana says that she's been cranky race recently because it's the five year anniversary of her dad's death. And that's a, something that'll come into play later. Then they tell James that he can't do the Billy Lee brunch because, you know, Lisa was mad about how it went last time. And then James storms out of this apartment. He says, this is bullshit. And then Tom and Ariana just go, okay. You know, like, they're <laughs> all right. And then just as we think we're going to cut to the next scene, James comes storming back in. <laughs> he says, this is bullshit. And <laughs> I love. First of all, I love the dynamic between James, Tom, and Ariana, because it's like Tom and Ariana are like his parents or something. James cried, and 
you know, Ariana might not want to have kids, but let me tell you something. They have a child in James. Because that dynamic, it's definitely a maternal-paternal, you know, with a child dynamic. And I'm here for it. Then we cut to Stassi shooting her book cover. I'm sort of surprised that they're showing this. Because, here's the thing, she got a book deal because she's on Vanderpump Rules. So, to me, it's surprising because they're, they are sort of pulling the curtain back a bit on the fame aspect. And I wish they would do it even more like it. Wouldn't you love to see them doing photo shoots for like People Magazine or like whatever it is that is in conjunction with the show? So, you know, I know her book is a little bit separate, but I feel like if it was one of the people that work at Sir, they wouldn't show it. Like Sheena was in that you know, sex tips for gay guys or whatever that Vegas show. They never showed us any of that or even acknowledged it happened, which may be for the best, but. <laughs> surprising that they showed the book stuff. Anyway, she takes photos with a nice vanilla latte. She says, I'm trying to just look the most basic I can. And she said, basically, I'm trying to be Sheena. <laughs> so fucking rude. And I laughed. It. it made me laugh so hard. Then Katie and Bo show up. They talk about self-sabotaging. And St- or Katie says, if Stassi doesn't stop lashing out, she's going to lose Bo. And I thought it was an LOL from Katie because you know, she kind of lashes out at Tom a bit. And then we cut to, we have a little transition song. This is very great pop song. It's, Love is a monster monster that will eat you alive. Love is a monster monster that will eat you alive. Then we open on Brit and Jack's at therapy. <laughs> In front of a window, air unit. You know, like a sexy pop song. And then like, Love is a monster will eat you alive. And then just Jack's and Brittany in front of a window air conditioning at a West Hollywood therapist's office. <laughs> Then it's revealed 20 people from Kentucky and Michigan are flying in for this engagement party, not the wedding, the engagement party. Brittany says, I might have went a little overboard with the engagement party. And then we got great flashback footage of Brittany just calling Mama. She said, Mama, I'm booking your flat. It was weird footage to show us, I thought. Like, I, we, <laughs> I like that it was revealed that Mama was coming, but like a phone call, just like Brittany calling friends and family. I, Mama, I'm booking your flat. I would have liked to know more of that conversation. But I'm excited to see Mama. I'm excited to see that homophobic Sherry that's coming. You know, Sherry, her mom, she's going to be coming. And look, I love seeing Sherry. I want more Sherry. Show us more Sherry. I think Sherry's a star. Sherry's had the biggest glow up in reality TV history. (laughs) She's got a completely new look than the first time we've seen her. And I'm excited to see Sherry. Excited to see it. Then we get a lot of flashback footage of Sherry and Jax and Brittany. Now, I never watched the spinoff. I watched the first episode of that Jackson Brittany Take Kentucky, and then it wasn't for me. It was not for me. But some people had yelled at me last week. I was talking about Brittany's engagement party, and I had just said that, you know, Brittany invited some people with some very colorful names, which was great. And people had told me, how did I not know that Militia was her sister, I believe, or whatever. And look, I didn't watch the spinoff. I watch a lot of Bravo, but I, I draw the line somewhere. I did not watch Jackson Brittany Take Miami. Or take what I <laughs> I'm thinking of Courtney and Chloe. What did they they took Kentucky? Jackson Britton took Kentucky. They didn't take Miami. Maybe it would have been interesting. I don't know. I'd like to maybe I if they took Miami or somewhere else, maybe I'd watch. But I tried with it. I think with these shows, they're they work best as an ensemble cast. Even with the Housewives, it's like when they spin off, it's usually not that interesting. Like, will I watch three episodes of Candy's ski trip? Sure. But it never quite works as well as when they're in an ensemble cast. I sort of think that they're maybe filming something for Jackson and Brittany to do like a wedding special or something, though. Because Leslie Grossman, of course, I don't know if you guys follow her. She's so funny. But on Instagram, she posted 
a picture with Britney and she called me right when this happened. She ran into Britney and she said there was like a makeup artist and it seemed like a producer. And it she was led to believe that maybe they were filming something. Maybe we get Leslie to call in or whatever. But I was thinking like they're not shooting the next season yet, but but maybe because Britney's gonna be doing all this wedding stuff, maybe they were filming either a spinoff or pickup shots or Maybe they are shooting stuff with Jackson Britney for next season, just so they have it for the wedding storyline. I don't know. Or it could have been like a magazine shoot or whatever. But at the therapist's office, Britney says she's worried every time Jax is like an hour late for something. You know, she worries where he is. This is a red flag. And when you really think about it, I feel like they moved on from that cheating and the faith scandal so quickly. Maybe a little too quick. I worry about it. I was also distracted this scene because Britney had an interview look where she looks like she fell into a vat of self-tanner. Didn't she? She looked like she just fell into like a giant tub of self-tanner. She filled up her bathtub with self-tanner and did a Britney Spears in the Every Time video and just ducked her head under. (laughs) Like Everything came out orange. And I love my Brit, but she just tumbled on into that bathtub of self-tanner. And then Jack says in the therapist's office, he says that him cheating on her made her stronger. This is problematic. I was yelling at the TV. It's disgraceful. It's so troubling. Big red flag. Alert, alert. Like, run out of this relationship. This is not okay, Brittany. This is not a good thing. You don't want your significant other to not say, well, he was like proud of the fact that he cheated on her. I know they have to do these interviews with producers, and maybe sometimes they say things that they don't mean, or they misinterpret a question or something like that. But very troubling that Jax think he did her a favor and made her stronger or something for cheating on her with Faith. And let's not forget, he didn't just cheat on her. There were also all these other things where he was like calling her names in a text message or, or maybe it was the voicemail recording. I'm not sure, but there were other things where he was like calling her names and talking poorly about her. Like that's where I, I think that's almost even worse than the cheating. The cheating with Faith was really bad, but I could almost like, I wouldn't get over it, but I would almost think, well, he was wasted, whatever. But the fact that they had heard or saw that, like these mean things that he said about her, I thought that, come on, it's very problematic. I want my Brit to be happy, don't we all? We, then we cut to Katie and Tom's apartment. Tom was sitting with their two dogs. Now, last week I said I was very unattracted to Tom Schwartz. A couple weeks before that, I said I was very attracted to him. A weekly, it changes. And when I saw him sitting with those two dogs, I was so attracted to him again. So attractive. He was looking so cute with those two dogs. So he's ordering cash. He wants to get 50000 in cash to Lisa Vanderpump. He's ordering it from his bank. I don't know what exactly was happening. I didn't know you could just call up your bank and order it. Or I don't know, was he on the phone with Postmates? I'm not sure. But he was calling someone to order his fifty k in cash. And I think it was a made-up phone call. I don't think he actually talked to anyone on the phone. It was totally made up. But I didn't care because it was cute. He was sitting with the dogs. And he keeps talking about like how he's a James Bond or something like that. I don't know. But we do get a wonderful flashback here. He's talking about how he's James Bond, but how Lisa looks at him differently or whatever. And we get a flashback to Lisa calling Tom a pussy multiple times. <laughs> and it's so funny to see Lisa Vanderpump using that language because she's just like, you're a pussy. You're a pussy. I can't do a Lisa Vanderpump, but you're a pussy. You're a pussy. <laughs> I don't know if that worked. You're a pussy. Uh, but... It's so funny that this woman that's their boss, you know, and she's, we think of her as regal and put together and everything. And she's just calling one of her employees. Not, she's, he's not an employee, but she's just calling like a young person a pussy. <laughs> and I love it. 
live for it. I want, him to ca- I want her to call him a pussy more and more times. Then we cut to Ariana and Kristen getting drinks. It was great, though. We got footage be- We got footage that happened before this of Kristen showing up at Tom and Ariana's apartment and having a drink alone with Tom. It was so awkward. They drank beers. And I loved it. Kristen, of course, lived at this apartment with Tom. But they all seem in such a good place. Ariana talked about it on this show. They seem like they're all in a great place. And I'm so happy that Ariana and Kristen are friends because I love them both. They are the best. And I want them to be friends. You know, I love my Kristen. And I love my Ariana. And Ariana and Kristen, they sit down and have this conversation. And it's the anniversary of Ariana's dad's death. And it's revealed the night that her dad died is when Kristen told everyone they were having an affair, that Ariana and Tom were having an affair. And apparently, Tom and Kristen were sitting down at the couch, like watching TV or whatever. And when it happened, Tom said, I gotta go to Ariana. And Kristen admits to Ariana that she was being a bitch that night. She says, I shouldn't have guilted him that night. She says, you and Tom were the ones that were meant to be together. Now, I was crying. To me, this scene felt like so much growth between these two, between this love triangle of Tom, Ariana, and Kristen. And I feel like this is what I've been waiting for for seasons, waiting for this closure between uh, Ariana and Kristen. And it was so beautiful to see this relationship unfold. And now they're friends, truly growth amongst them. Like It's very rare that we see growth amongst these people. And I thought, wow, Kristen even admitting like I was crazy. She said something about her forehead, too. And (laughs) and then the editors give us a flashback of Kristen's forehead. (laughs) But wow, I was literally crying. And they love each other. And they gave each other a kiss. And I, I truly believe they do love each other. Then we cut to Lala getting ready for her performance. And the transition music here was, boy, look at the girl. Look at that girl. That was the transition song. Into Lala getting ready for her performance. It was her big night. Lala was prepping. Her makeup here looked flawless, I thought. She had cameras set up that were there to represent the record labels, which was a little confusing to me, but hey, what do I know? And everyone shows up. Tom Sandoval literally stumbled in. Did you catch that? His entrance into this club (laughs) sort of fell into the doorway, which was great. And Jack said in an offhanded remark, he said, I'm here to celebrate. I finally had a solid poop. So we're getting some closure on their diets. We're getting some closure on that. Uh, Montezuma's revenge that they all got from Mexico. Lala's not drinking. Or no, she is drinking. She is drinking. I'm sorry. My notes were, she is drinking. And I'm still very unclear about this. Randall's not there. But Lala says, he did all this for me. But uh, look, shouldn't he have, it should have been more important that he was there. I understand that he set this up, like he probably paid for a recording studio time and set up those record labels to be there. And he's doing other things financially, monetarily. But I would want him there more than just, like, sending everything. To me, that's just like a sugar dad. There's a podcast, and forgive me, I don't remember the name because I didn't write it down at this time, or in my notes, but there's a podcast that was going off about Randall and Lala, and somebody else said that he was their sugar daddy before, and then, like, took away their Range Rover and and gave it to someone else uh, on Vanderpump Rules. I think, oh, wait, it's called Don't call your daddy or something like that. Forgive me, I don't have it written down, but I think the podcast was called Don't Call Me Daddy. (laughs) Don't Call Your Daddy. I don't know. The point is, I wonder who were his sugar babies before Lala, and if Lala's baby just won. Maybe he met Lala and was like, okay, you know, I'm done having those other sugar, sugar babies. Anyway, Peter comes to this venue, and he delivers flowers that were on Lisa's behalf. 
Adam shows up. I think Adam is so hot, you guys. I truly heart him. He's very bland on camera, but I don't care. He's pretty to look at. And all the men actually look great this season. I was looking at Jackson at therapist's office. He lo- looks so slim and trim. I feel like the entire cast looks their best this season. Don't you think? They all seem so put together. I like all their outfits. Do they occasionally get it wrong? Sure. But for the most part, I think they all look really, really good. Their hair all looks great. Like, no one looks crazy, I don't think. Then let's see. Uh, Lala comes out on stage and she says, I wrote this song for my dad. And she's saying that in confessional as she's taking this jacket off to reveal her bra. And then, <laughs> like, kind of mixed messages. And then she gets on the floor. And she says, Jackson, Ariana, I love you so much, and you're deaf represented. And she's obviously inferring that they're represented on stage because she wrote the song about her dad, and those two had lost their fathers. And then she says, let's lighten the mood here. Then in her confessional, we see her crying. And it was such a stark contrast between her confessionals and then her stage work, because on stage, she's got her middle finger up in her just a bra, and she's crying in her confessional saying, my dad never saw me perform. It's like, what's happening? I don't mean to judge. But like the contrast between the confessional where she's crying about her father, which is very sad, and I'm not discounting that. But then on stage, she's just running around in a bra with her middle finger up. And she's like, my father never got to see this. And stark contrast. This performance was shocking to me. And then at the end of the performance, she just did the sign of the cross. The sign of the cross. I don't know. You know, God was with her that night. I don't know. God was with her. She did a sign of the cross and said, thank you, Lord. Then Tom and Ariana talk at this venue. Tom is tipsy and he cried. I love when he cries. He's so sensitive. Don't you think Tom Sandoval is the most sensitive man, straight man I've seen on TV? Truly. And some people say they don't see the love between Tom and Ariana, but I truly see it. I think it's there. And I think they actually very much are in love. I truly see it. Like I think even in this scene, you saw them hug and cry. and I think that they really, really are good together and really love each other. I truly believe that. Then we cut to the puppy party. This puppy party, the infamous puppy party that was revealed last week. No one wanted to go to it. We got the B cast here. It wasn't the A team. It was the B team. It was people like Billy Lee. It was Sheena. It was some other people that we see a lot, but we don't really know. Tom and Ariana did show up. But we got some new characters that I'm very interested in. The first one is Kate, Raquel's sister. She just got like a quick little, we didn't even see much of her talk or anything, but we got like a quick little glimpse of Kate, and I need more of her. Show me Raquel's whole family. Because we also got, let's see, Laura, Raquel's mom. Raquel said, let me try to do my Raquel. Having a puppy is pretty much like having a baby. That was Raquel. Then we saw her mom just flirting with everyone. Peter was there. I'm the mom, Laura. Nice to meet you. Oh, you're handsome. Oh, thank you. Nice to meet you. You're very handsome. Thank you. Let's call a spade a spade. The mom wanted to fuck Peter. I saw it in her eyes. She was touching him inappropriately. She was touching his chest. You know, he had a lot of his bare chest showing because the buttons were only buttoned halfway up. He was showing some cleavage. Peter was showing some some of his boob meat. Peter was showing a lot of boob meat. And the mom wanted to fuck him. I saw it. And uh, what I say to that is, who among us hasn't wanted to fuck Peter? Right? The mom was one. The mom was one with us. Because we've all thought about it. Even if we don't like Peter all the time, I think we can all agree that we've all, at some point or another, looked at Peter and thought, would I do it? Probably. Probably. She saw that boob meat popping out of his blouse, and she was ready to fuck him. Girl. 
All right, I'm sure a lot of you out there can relate because every time there's a commercial break and I'm watching one of my shows, I'm always hopping on the Redfin app or website because I just want to check out real estate listings. Like I love checking out real estate listings, even for the houses that I cannot afford. It's my favorite app to use Redfin. Uh, I just got a home, of course, but it was pretty stressful process. And if I would have known how easy Redfin was, I think it would have helped out a lot. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations. So finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. See something you like? Well, book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process, making it so easy. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents with a listing fee as low as 1%. Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards your next home. Now, that's a great thing. I love using Redfin. I love checking out. If you're buying or selling a home and you need some help with that, check out Redfin. Download the Redfin app to get started. This was a weird event. I loved every second of it, but it was very weird. Raquel, she paints. Did you see there was a picture of the puppy and she painted it? She said, I painted it. And we need more of Raquel's family. I need the whole family. I was so distracted this scene. Like, show me them on a spinoff. Put them on The Amazing Race with the witch. You know, we need more of it. Give him a spinoff. And the events of this party was like, pin the tail on the donkey that Raquel painted, and then it was like, toss a bag of shit. And I liked that James was embracing it. Like, it was very weird, but James just seemed to have a smile on his face. They were all throwing bags of shit around into, you know, it was like cornhole with shit. I, not exactly something I would choose to do at a party or a function, but hey, I'm not planning it. Raquel did. Then Raquel gave a speech, and she was saying how she felt. You know, she said, she was holding Graham, her dog, and it was a puppy party for Graham. But Raquel said, Graham is so happy to have everyone here. Graham loves it. Graham is the best, and he wants to thank everyone for being here. <laughs> I know, she was talking about herself. I love Raquel, you guys. I love her, and now that I'm out of the family, I know Raquel's truly a star. I go back and forth every week, but I think Raquel's a star. Then we cut to Sir. Everyone's pretending to work. Sheena and Lala talk. Lala mentions that her bowels still aren't normal. That was an offhanded remark, but we learned, again, Jax is finally back to normal, but Lala says her bowels still aren't normal. Then Lala says to Sheena that she needs to stop drinking. So then we talk a little bit about more of this Mexican anxiety attack. Remember last week on the bus? Maybe it was two weeks ago on the bus in Mexico, she had this big anxiety attack. Now, some people had DM'd me. And said that it reminded them, I'm not saying that it was, but some people had said that it reminded them of a drug-induced anxiety attack. And look, I don't know. I'm not an expert. But some people, like multiple people had DM'd me and said it looks exactly like, and I forget what the drug was, but they said, you know, whatever. But I'm just choosing to believe that it was just a regular anxiety attack. And I have anxiety attacks too, but um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to judge, but maybe, I don't know. I don't know. Then Lala cries. She said she has a problem with alcohol. She's giving up drinking. Sheena says, <laughs> Lala says, you know, I've been grumpy and I have my period. And then Sheena says, at least there's no baby. And then Sheena did her Sheena laugh. Which, I don't know if we've ever talked about it on the podcast before, but Sheena has a very distinct laugh. She, <laughs> it's very... <laughs> Look, I don't have the most perfect laugh. I apologize. Some people don't like my laugh, but... Sheena's laugh is very aggressive. 
I'm on my period too. I'm like emotional today. Well, at least that means there's no baby. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like fucking Woody Woodpecker. (laughs) 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 At least there's no baby. (laughs) I love Machina, you guys. I love her. Whatever. God bless that laugh. It gives us some good laughs. But it is very distinct. Then we cut to Tom and Katie in the car. Now, the music in this was Money Makes the World Go Round. That was the transitional music into Tom and Katie's car. I swear, every transitional song, it's like they lead us into thinking we're going to be somewhere else. It's like, I don't think that that song, Money Makes the World Go Round, is going to lead me into Tom and Katie's car. But here we are. Here we are. And I really don't care about this. Tom is getting the money to give to Lisa Vanderpump. I don't care about this storyline. It's boring. Boring. But Katie does reveal in the car that she's taking Stassi to see uh, Oracle. And that I care about. Then we cut to Ariane and Tom in a sidecar driving into Tom Tom. Tom Schwartz is there. He meets Ken and Lisa. I feel like Ken's not needed in these scenes. It's like, maybe that's part of my problem with Ken. It's like, we don't need Ken in the scene. And so we just need Lisa. Schwartz brings the suitcase full of cash, and shows Lisa, and I thought, who cares? Ken did laugh, though, and I've never seen him laugh. It looked weird. You know, it looked like just something I didn't need to see. Didn't need to see it. Then we cut to Stassi and Katie with the Oracle. Now, here's the money scene. Her name is Amanda. Right as they arrived to her doorstep, Amanda says, which one of you is Stassi? First of all, if she's an Oracle, she should know. Second of all, she's on the call sheet. She should know which cast member is Stassi. I feel like she was contacted to do the show. She would have had to know she was filming. Wouldn't you research the cast members that are coming up to your house to film their TV show? Wouldn't you at least just Google it? You know, when she looks at that call sheet and she says, she sees that it's Katie Maloney and Stassi Schroeder, wouldn't you think she'd hop on Google if she didn't watch the show? That's assuming if she's never seen Vanderpump Rules, which, come on, who hasn't seen it? You would think she's at least seen an episode, but she never even Googled it? I feel like she would Google it. Amanda, come on. You're an oracle, for God's sakes. Then she says, which one of you is Stassi? And then Stassi says, I am. And then she makes Katie go away. Then she does a quick clearing ceremony before Stassi can get into the house. So she says, Katie, you go outside. And in the doorway, she cleanses Stassi. She says, you are sage. You come from the mountains. That's what she's saying to the sage. Which, right right off the bat, I'm like, I'm on board with this whole thing. And then, you know, as she's like clearing Stassi's energy or whatever, she just, she did this a bunch. She kept going, hey! (laughs) Hey! (laughs) Like really scaring us all. Really an aggressive hey. Then, I wrote my notes, this is the best scene I've ever seen. It's very produced, but I loved it. Very produced. Oracle says Stassi has a demonic spirit inside. And then we actually have flashback footage of Stassi saying, I'm the devil which, of course, is an iconic scene in Vanderpump Rules history from, I believe, season one. But it's so funny to me that we literally have a scene of Stassi saying she's a devil for this oracle scene. We literally have the footage. <laughs> so the oracle... <laughs> the oracle has them sit down in this circle. It reminded me of that scene in the movie Practical Magic, one of my faves. At the end of Practical Magic, when they are doing that exorcism, this was sort of that, and I loved it. And they were doing... Uh, Amanda, the oracle, said, tell the spirit how it makes you feel, because they're trying to get rid of Stassi's demonic spirit. And then she does a little, a little, that's what she, you know, she's doing just random sounds. The oracle is having them chant random sounds. 
It's like the beginning of the fucking Lion King, like Nasavenia. <laughs> like what the fuck? And then the Oracle says the circle is cast. And then we end. And Stasi cries. She cries to the Oracle. And she says, you know, admitting you have demons is the first part of healing or whatever. And it's like, what the fuck has just happened? What the fuck just happened? What were the producers? Like, if I was a camera person, there's no way I couldn't laugh throughout that whole fucking scene of Stasi and the Oracle and, you know, them just chanting, Hoorah, Nasivanya, Hoorah, Pura. If I was the camera person, I would laugh my ass off. I wouldn't have been able to hold the camera straight. It would have had to been on a tripod. I'm sure they had a tripod work going on here because there's no way. There's no way. Or I would have had to leave the room. There was one actually visual, I don't know if you caught this, but the Oracle was like standing up right in front of the camera and she seemed so close to the camera. And I could only believe that the camera person had to step out of the room because they were laughing so hard they got the church giggles. And so I don't think that shot would have made it in unless the camera person had to leave the room. And then I think the Oracle, Amanda, just took it upon herself to just get in front of that camera and do her, hey! So, you know, I'm certain that the camera people left the room for that scene. Anyway, that's the end of the episode. Next time we get Brit's families, they are more Sherry. I'm excited for Sherry to come back. And it's revealed that Jack's brought Brit Jack's, excuse me, bought Brittany's brother a baby. Like, come again. They said that <laughs> they said that in the upcoming scenes, and I was like, come again? Excuse me? Rewound it four times just to make sure I heard it right. Like, did I hear that right? Wait, so Jack's bought the brother a baby. Maybe some more red flags here. You know, I think we all were shocked that Brittany moved on from this cheating scandal with Faith so quickly, but it's revealed that Jack spot the brother baby, so maybe she felt like she had to move on. I don't know, but that's not good. I think we're crossing, we're mixing too many things up here, and you know, I would feel obligated to be with someone too if they brought bought my brother a baby, wouldn't you? I'd be like, well, I guess I gotta move on. He bought my brother a baby. You know, what are you gonna do? It seems weird to me. But it was shocking when they said that. And maybe they, I don't remember that ever coming up. Do you guys remember? Maybe that came up in a previous season or in that Kentucky spinoff. I don't know. But I don't remember it being revealed that Jack spot Britney's brother a baby. So forgive me, maybe I missed it. Because I feel like if I would have heard it before, I would have been shocked. Because when I heard it in the preview, I thought, wow. Wow, Bethany, wow. Where are we at here? Then we see Sheena on a new date with a seemingly hot man. Very excited about that. Brittany tries on the dress, and we get that iconic line, My body looks awesome in this. Ooh, I'm excited. Very excited. Also, oh, also in the previews, Jack says to one of Brittany's family members that he'll always be number one. Like, he'll always put himself first. More red flags, you guys. Jax is not the marrying type. At least maybe not yet. I understand that Brittany says that Jax has changed, but these are all very much red flags. The fact that he thought it was good that Brit- he cheated on Brittany was good for her. The fact that he did cheat on Brittany with Faith. The fact that he said all those horrible things during the cheating. The fact that he bought the brother a baby. I don't think we're focusing enough on that, frankly. I know we're just talking about that now, but I don't think that's enough of a conversation piece that Jack's bought the brother a baby. We need to talk We need to talk about that. Let's sit back, relax, and talk about that. Pull over if you're driving. We need to talk about Jack's bought the brother a baby. Now, look, I know they might not have had the money to buy a baby. Maybe they had fertility issues, which is totally understandable. But... Something is weird there. I don't think that anyone should... I mean, giving that amount of money, it just caused too many problems because then they, the person can hang it over their head for the rest of their life, you know? Like, for the rest of the brother's life, Jack's if he gets in a fight with the family or with Brittany, Jack's will always be able to say, like, oh, I bought, the bro- I bought your brother a baby. You know what I'm saying? And that's not good. It's always going to give him leverage in a fight with Brittany. And that's, that makes the power dynamics off. 
that's where I have that's where money becomes an issue in a relationship because he'll always be able to say if Brittany says one thing wrong to him or if he cheats again, then Brittany will get mad and then Jax will say, "Well, I bought your brother a baby." Or if he gets in a fight with Sherry. Imagine if Sherry or the dad or something he gets in a fight with him or Mima, what if Jax gets in a fight with Mima about the beer cheese? Mima maybe wants her cut of the beer cheese and then Jax could say, "Well, you know what? I bought your son a baby." To Mima. And then suddenly what's the fuck's Mima going to do? She could say she can't say anything. She won't have a, a leg to stand on. Maybe she doesn't have a leg to stand on. I don't know the health of Mima, but she might already be too. <laughs> I'm not sure how mobile Mima is. I don't really remember because I didn't watch the spinoff. But if Mima is mobile, she won't have a leg to stand on with Jax because he could just say, I bought your son a baby. So this is very troubling to me. I think we all need to think about this and focus on it. And I'm excited to learn more next week. I am. Now, we, speaking of fertility issues, I want to say one thing. I get a lot of messages and DMs from listeners of the show, and I want to thank you all so much for reaching out. I try my best to get back to everyone. And I love so much when you guys say you're listening to the show. And this week, I heard from two different nurses, and I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to call them out, but I just want to say, I, we talk about mothers a lot on the show, because I love, I think mothers are the most important people in the world. And I just want to say also nurses and teachers while we're at it. I think Nurses and teachers, I don't think they get the credit they deserve. So I want to thank everyone who listens and reaches out. And of course, I value and love all each and every one of you, and I appreciate it so, so much. But let's just take a little moment to appreciate nurses and teachers this week, because I feel like they're always undercredited. You know, doctors get all the glory, but the nurses are like so important. Like, if you're ever in the hospital overnight or something like that, like the most important person is like one of the most important people to be there as a nurse. Like we need nurses and they just do such selfless work. So thank you. And teachers too. It's like teachers don't make a fuck enough. It's disgusting what teachers make. I know some of them get paid more than others, but I just think like they're so underappreciated and they're teaching our youth and they're raising them to be people. And I, we all have teachers in our lives who've been important to our growth. So I, you know, I have certain teachers that have just meant so much to me. And I think it's what a selfless work to teach our youth and, and, just thank you to all teachers and teachers who teach older people too. It's so important to continue our learning. So I just want to thank you, a special thank you to the teachers and nurses out there because you're doing God's work. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. So now uh, I will do our little cool down before I do. I just want to say, please find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino, Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, facebook.com slash Pellegrino Danny. If you want to support this podcast, head on over to patreon.com slash everything iconic, click become a patron. If you donate $4 more per month, you get bonus episodes, one a month. More importantly, you help support this podcast. So thank you to everyone who is over there. Thank you. What else? Let's do our little cool down. We'll have a Roni recap later this week. Let's all take a deep breath in. Oh, I wait. Also, I have a, a little interview coming with Brittany Snow. She's in a new movie called Someone Great that's premiering on Netflix this Friday. It's so good. I saw an advanced screening of it. I can't wait for everyone to see it. It'll be on Netflix. So I'll have a quick little interview with her. I think later this week or or beginning of next, but anyway, let's take a deep breath in, hold it, breathe out, take another deep breath in, think of a teacher or nurse in your life, just think of one that you know, breathe out. Now, maybe you have a, a teacher that you had that is memorable to you. If you could find them on social media or if you are in touch with them, shoot them a message and thank them. I know I'm going to thank one of a few of my teachers this week. I'm going to try to remember to do that. Or maybe you have a, a friend, a family member that's a teacher, or a friend or family member that's a nurse. 
or a nurse that really helped you throughout a hard time in the hospital or something like that. And I just want you to try your best to reach out to them this week and just say thank you for the work that they do and just try to try to reach out. You know, find them on social media or or email them or call them if you can. Or if you could see them in person, maybe bring them a nice little gift to let them know that you're thankful and grateful for them. I love you all so much for listening. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com.